0: Hello and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause, the podcast for growth-oriented entrepreneurs and executives who aspire to create positive change in the world. Are you in business for more than just profit? Then like and subscribe today and join our channel to become a hustler for a cause. Hello, and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause. Today, we're honored to have special guest Jermaine Cheatham, Director of Sales at Dow Financial Services. Jermaine, you're a minimalist entrepreneur who's tackled the skill of maximizing opportunities, and you believe in that if something isn't simple, easy, and fun, it's not worth doing. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great to have you, and I can't wait to hear more
1: awesome. Thanks man.
0: So yeah, I know you all love to travel and I think we were just talking about it a little bit with COVID and everything. People seem to have been a lot more grounded. Uh where are you coming from today?
1: So I'm on the uh, East Coast of Malaysia in a little small big town. It's kind of weird like has like huge malls and like movie theaters and like great restaurants. It feels like there's only I don't know 50,000 people that live here, <laughs> but it's wow. so it's pretty cool, yeah. It's right on the beach and there's monkeys out here, there's hawks, there's huge Komodo dragons, there's wild pigs wow. it's, it's like a nature preserve so it's pretty cool that's awesome
0: so when you're not working what's your favorite activity out there is it being in the water is it hiking
1: all of the above my day is kind of like chill <laughs> I, I golf i go on long hikes i go on long walks i go to starbucks i go down to different beaches there's like three or four different beaches so i go in the water i go snorkeling mm-hmm. i chill pretty hard i play tennis go lift weights at the gym here dry sauna whole bunch of chilling.
0: (laughs) Nice, man. Yeah. I think a a lot of us right now wish we could be living like that. COVID or not, that's like I'm long overdue for vacation. So (laughs) one thing I want to ask you before we even dive in, you call yourself a minimalist entrepreneur. So I want to know what that means to you.
1: Let's start with minimalist. To me, minimalism is like using leverage to really shine a light on the things you love. For example, I don't have a lot of stuff with me traveling so much. I don't have a home. I don't have a car. I don't Mm -hmm. have a lot of clothes, but the things I do have, I love, like I love, love, love. So it doesn't even matter to me if you have a watch that costs 10 grand or a watch that costs 50 bucks. If I love the watch, that's the one watch I'm going to wear because it doesn't make sense for me to have 10 watches. This is now I got to take care of 10 watches. It's dumb. It's like having Mm -hmm. a closet full of shirts. The truth is I've been there. Most people have been there. You got hundred shirts, but you only wear, like, let's be true, five of them that you yep. love. The other, other ones is collect dust. So I use the same kind of methodology in business where I don't need to work with everybody. I pick and choose who I work with because I realize, A, I like them. That's like mm-hmm. the most important thing. They don't cause me any trouble or stress or annoy me. And B, they actually bring profits to my life and I can do the same to theirs. So it's like picking and choosing the most important things and the things that make you happy. And using those leverage points to make more stuff and make more fulfillment. That's just kind of a small example of you know how I use leverage and being a minimalist instead of trying to chase everybody and everything and every idea and every business concept.
0: Wow. I really love your uh, watch analogy. That was like beautiful. Yeah. Some people may take a lot of pride in, but also it's just like, it's, it's a thing at the end of the day. It's not something that has to be that important. We forget about the things that are important to us even if that's like the reason we're in business, you know, like family or something else takes a back seat because we're trying to get to where we want without just kind of making that happen first and then setting boundaries. Tell me a little bit more. When you say minimalist entrepreneur, I totally believe it because I couldn't find any information about you online or about <laughs> Creators Learn. So tell me about you. Yeah. Tell me your
1: background. Where did it all start? <laughs> that's great. It's funny. And it's like another thing, like social media, it's like, Unless I had like a really compelling reason to get on it, and I may at some point, but Mm -hmm. up until now, I just had no compelling reason because to me, it's just for the most part about, oh, look at me, I'm doing this. And A, I don't care if you know what I'm doing. And B, I certainly don't care what the hell you're doing. So why would I engage in any of that? And to me, it's just more noise. Mm -hmm. Same thing with like the news. I don't watch the news. I haven't had a TV in years because why? I don't care. I can't control it. I'm not gonna get involved in it. I know they're this selling fear. I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole with them. The same thing is applied with the business idea. You know, you hear these people, they're serial entrepreneurs. And and the reason why they wanna do this is because they'll have all this freedom, but the truth is now they become a slave to all these jobs and all these people and all these requests and all these phone calls and all these emails. And I've only done one thing as far as entrepreneurship. I've stuck in the same industry, the same business model, for, I don't know, 18 years now, because it works. Why would I Mm -hmm. deviate and start doing other things that don't give you the same leverage points? Like we were talking about that I'm now an expert at this. So why would I start doing something else? So yeah, so it's hard to find stuff on me because I don't get involved in all the other stuff. You find me probably on LinkedIn and that's it how it all started. I mean, it was just a kind of a progress. It's never happened overnight i never thought i'd be in malaysia for a year during COVID or anything <laughs> um, so it just kind of like ha- you know happenstance Where really i mean my whole plan was actually only be in malaysia for two days i got here i was in thailand for a couple months and i was in hong kong before that and i got here and COVID kind of started coming up and i was like oh shit i probably should chill here because there's nowhere to go so they locked down the whole city I was there for a month and then we were planning on going to Australia, actually to Bali first, then Australia. And then we we're going to take a cruise for like a long cruise, like a 30 day cruise to all these Bora Bora and all these places. And it end up in LA, but it never happened because of COVID. So I've been here since I'm like, well, I could go to this country or that country, but like, there's so much question marks about COVID and there's going to be another lockdown, you know, I don't want to get locked down in a country that I'm not planning or wanting to stay there for six months. So Mm -hmm. I'm very happy here. Like it's a great country to live in. But long story short is I didn't plan any of this as far as traveling the world or even really like being an entrepreneur. I just knew I wanted to have freedom to make my own choices to decide who I'm gonna be and how I'm gonna show up in the world. But to have like a detailed map of what I was gonna do, I had no clue.
0: Like going back to earlier, like as you were growing up and kind of where you came from, do you feel like your initial environment and how you grew up made an impact? And
1: what turned you into what you are today? that question. I mean, I grew up in a broken home, no father in my home. I'm black and white. So as a little kid, everyone would come up to me and say, well, what are you? What are you? And I didn't know mm-hmm. like, what they were even talking about. I was like, uh, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, you know, what your race. And I was, So this, these whole questions about race and identity came up mm-hmm. really at a very young age, five, six years old. So it made me ponder this question of, you know, who am I really besides just This physical thing, this black, white, American, male, female, you know, all this stuff. And Mm so it made me question that, like, who am I going to be? And I realized it's up to me to define myself, not the outside world, because the outside world was trying to define me by asking me these questions. And a lot of people let the outside world define them. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to define me. That kind of built this mentality of I'm the creator of my future and of my now. It has nothing to do with the outside world.
0: A one question for you, right? As you define yourself, I think sometimes like, I know you face fear in that too, right? The fear of like letting a loved one down or something. How do you set your identity as you go into the world?
1: I try not to have any identities at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I try just to beat because when you have an identity, then you're locked into that identity. So for example, Oh, I'm an attorney. Everything about my life is about being an attorney. Then if I ever want to do something else, now i'm locked into this identity as of, a, of an attorney and all my friends and family are going to look at me weird because i'm switching my identity a week from now a year from now i might decide shit i don't know maybe i want to learn uh, i don't know russian or something like i don't want yep. to be locked into any definite things so i never worry about anybody else as far mm-hmm. as letting them down the only person i worry about letting down is myself because i'm the one that knows what i want to do and where i want to go And the only time I really feel bad is when I don't follow that path. So the chips are going to fall where they may for everybody else. And it's going to be great for them. And it's going to be beneficial for them. If I follow my path, like Mm -hmm. I always have this philosophy, you can't have a strong country, world, civilization, family, state, city without strong individuals. So it starts with a strong individual and then your cup runneth over so you can spread that love to other people. But if you're not strong yourself, your (laughs) cup's going to be half empty.
0: That's absolutely right. I learned that when the hard way growing up, just with like, I had this desire to give really early and I gave when I had nothing. And so then I had nothing to give. There's some people out there that do it, right? Like there's like the Mother Teresa's of the world and stuff, but it's still like, I think they still have something, right? And they still have like uh, their whole selves that they're bringing. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: The cool thing about like a Mother Teresa or anybody really mm-hmm. that's prominent is no one really knows. Like we don't know. I don't know. You don't know. No one really knows what their struggles were, what they really thought, what their motivations were. All we know is what we're told. That's kind of the cool thing about like life and people is no one knows, but you, like you're the (laughs) only real author of your story. And some people follow their story and they actually fulfill it. And some people run from it. And I always have this thing where I always follow my fear. Like if yeah. I have fear, that's, that's life telling me go that direction, because that's mm-hmm. what the fulfillment is. That's where the success is. That's what the love is. That's where everything you want in life is towards that fear, because you get on the other side of the fear. There's nothing there. There's yeah. no fear. It's gone. And all it is, is all the abundance you ever wanted. So when you go away from the fear, you shrink, you get small, you get miserable, you get depressed. So yeah. I always follow the fear.
0: That's actually what got me started in podcasting. I like never wanted to be like, known. I'm fine. Like making money, you know, having my stuff, whatever. But like someone would just like encourage me to do it. And I was like, you know what? All right, let's make this happen. Tell me a little bit more about that because fear, I think is an important topic. Uh, So I want to know, like, I guess, what does fear mean to you?
1: I mean, really fear is life telling me which direction to go. It's like literally a compass. And it's telling you go that direction because if you're not fearful of it, it doesn't matter. It's not important enough. It doesn't resonate with you to be like, oh, there's some risk there. Like risk is a good thing, especially like a healthy risk, like a a growth risk. So to me, fear is a compass of the direction you should go. If you're scared of something, if you're scared to make the phone call, scared to break up, you're scared for the divorce, you're scared to start the Mm -hmm. business, do it. That's what life's telling you to go that direction. And the other thing that's funny about it, it's just an emotion. So I think we sometimes put too much weight on it. We let it consume us. And it's like, we ruminate on it too much. Mm -hmm. And the truth is just let it be like, sit with it. Now don't ruminate on it. Let it sit with it. And it'll dissipate. It like goes away, especially with one thing, action. If you take action, it goes away. Yeah. It's just like, poof, it's gone.
0: Yeah. So I think you made a really important distinction in there too. You talked about like a healthy fear. There's certainly ones that are probably unhealthy too. How do you
1: distinguish
0: if there is something that maybe is not, that may be like something you're afraid of, but that is not worth pursuing?
1: I always kind of step back and I ask myself, what would the highest version of myself do right now? Like in this situation yep. and whatever comes to my mind, I do that. You just got to think from that highest self, like your most aspirational, your most abundant, your strongest, what would you do in that moment? And you'll have complete clarity of how to tackle that fear, quote unquote fear. Because if you don't think about it from your highest self, you might go to your lower self and do something stupid.
0: Yeah, that's a, a great point. This is something that comes from your beginnings and such, right? So can you tell me, is there like one fear above all others that you're most proud of facing
1: and overcoming? I guess just to be myself, you know, just to be me, be comfortable being me. I think it's like one of those things, humans we kind of struggle with and some people do it in other ways. Like they'll they'll kind of mask it with this big facade or this bravado, or some people will shrink and kind of be hidden and, and never come out of their hole or create anything. And for me, it was just kind of a, a slow process of taking action, facing my fear. And the result of that was just me being myself And not feeling I had to fit into a mold or an ideal or a identity, just being. So by me doing that, it allowed me to create all the wealth and all the freedom and abundance that I have today. And the cool thing about it is it never ends. There's like Mm -hmm. no finish line. There's no mountaintop. You just keep doing more and more stuff that matters to you. Because at at the end, you realize nothing matters in life. Nothing, like nothing, Mm -hmm. because we're all going to die. It doesn't matter. So it gives you like the freedom and the confidence to do the stuff that actually does matter.
0: There's a TED talk on that, writing your uh, obituary, living your life, remembering yourself from your obituary and looking back and then making your choices because of that. Yeah. So it may not necessarily be fear. Maybe I'm kind of stretching the bounds of what fear is here. But I think that like entrepreneurs in general have this struggle that there is the people around them that mostly want to live just like the regular normal life, the white picket fence, you know, the 2.5 children. And they always want something more, right? They're stretching for something else. And there's like this dichotomy that exists between them and maybe their goals. And maybe as they like create family and all these things that desire to be like accepted as a part of their community and stuff. So my question for you is, what's your take on like that conflict that entrepreneurs faced? How would you approach it? And What advice would you have for other listeners?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a huge problem. The whole tribal family nation mentality is a big problem because I've always kind of had the adage that the world is my family. I don't have any specific individuals or ideas that I only am married to. You know, like if an entrepreneur wants to create something, maybe their spouse or their family say, what what are you doing? You have a great job. Why would you ever do that? I've had that happen with me. And the thing is you have to have enough conviction in yourself to be like, this is my life. This is what I'm going to do. Because I know I got to trust this voice in my head that's telling me to do this. This is my compass saying, go this direction. Yeah, I'm scared to do it. And it may not work, but that's okay because life is telling me to go this way. Why would I fight with life? You know, it's a problem for sure. Because like you said, it's like, you're am I going to be accepted by my friends and my family. If mm-hmm. I fail, like, how am I going to go back to my tribe? If I fail, if, mm-hmm. well, if I'm too successful and then I'm way above yep. them, then they're going to ostracize me. It kind of goes back to the whole thing is you got to have strong individuals before you can have a strong family, country, or world. So you got to kind of push that to the side and realize maybe those folks aren't for you. If they don't want to support you, then that's life telling you another thing. Like, time to move on. Nothing's set in stone. Maybe they'll come to their senses later. I don't burn bridges, so Mm -hmm. they got to let things unfold. And sometimes there's no reason to react in the moment. Just let it, you'll sleep on it for a day or two or a week or a month or whatever, how long it takes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So I think there's something else that people are um, definitely afraid of, and that's selling. You have people that are afraid of cold calling. They're afraid of being rejected, afraid of feeling like they're coming off salesy. I know like your specialty, right, is in the sales space. So how do you apply this like fear, the approach towards fear, towards how you sell or how you teach sales and overcoming those kinds of fears?
1: Yeah. The funny thing about it is I've never thought of myself as a salesperson. When I was younger, I always never felt accepted. I never felt part of anything. Sales is like one of those careers where you would never get involved in if you never felt accepted. Because it's like, why would you go down that path? You're just going to get 99% no's. Like in that situation, I followed my fear. and I'm like, let me see if this is true. Let's just see. Let's do a test. And I always thought I was a horrible communicator too. I was like, no one's going to understand me or listen to me. So I, again, another fear of mine. So I'm like, let's see if this is true. Let's go into sales. So, I mean, I was doing door to door sales at a, a point in my life and that's the worst because they're slamming their door right in your face. Yep. And then I was like, well, that wasn't so bad. Like most people were cool and cordial and friendly and just, oh, no thanks. Or, oh yeah, give me a quote or whatever. Cause it's just a conversation. I'm not selling you shit. I'm just having a conversation with you about what I can offer, what we have And if it's cool with you and you want it, great, let's do it. If not cool, let's keep it moving. And so then I started in another sales role where I was making like 300 cold calls a day and, you know, you're getting 290 no's, And so Mm -hmm. you just get this thick skin where you realize this shit doesn't matter. Like the no's don't matter because it's just information. It has nothing to do with me. If they're having a bad day and they tell me, I had a lady tell me, I hope you die. And like, she was flipping out. And I told her, you know, I, I was like, you need a hug. Um, because i because <laughs> I realized it has nothing to do with me she's just a miserable person yeah you can't take it personal because you know people that are miserable it's nothing to do with you it's them and you gotta almost feel bad for them it's like damn that sucks yeah um, i just got this great thick skin where i realized i get to choose how i respond and i get to choose how much i can make because i can do whatever there's no ceiling you just gotta have like that kind of gut instinct of like, I'm going to go for this and I'm going to just do it. Okay.
0: So I calculated it out and 300 cold calls a day means that you had 4.8 minutes per call. So do you get like a lot of people that just like hang up right away or like, it's an incredible feat. Did you not sleep too?
1: (laughs) No, well, I would, I would get to the office like at 6am and I would leave like at 6pm. So it was a long day. I did that for what, maybe two years. And wow. then I could start scaling it back. And then I started using let, leverage and minimalism to take yeah. a different approach. Instead of actually calling the people that needed my service, I actually instead started calling the people that sold to the people that needed my service. So now I'm only making yeah. 50 calls a day and now mm-hmm. they're selling my services into their network of people. So I started getting smarter and I started using leverage and minimalism to leverage that business. So, But you don't know until you get your feet wet and you got to start the process somewhere. I was thinking about this the other day. I think if every American, maybe everybody in the world, if they had the choice, like after high school, you had to do like a year of sales, <laughs> like phone mm-hmm. calls, or or door to door, or like a year of military service, just to, to, to like, <laughs> this, this like this discipline. Not has nothing yeah. to do with, like war or anything. It's like a yeah. mindset thing. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to learn this discipline of doing things you don't want to do. Yep. Um, and I think both of those. I'm I'm not a military guy, but um, yeah, I understand how they build that mentality to be disciplined. It's very important.
0: I'll tell you where it came from for me. So I did door-to-door sales. I did car sales and I did construction too. So I learned like projects and execution and like things have to get done and they have to get done on time and focus from the construction work. And then I learned like the sales process and getting over fears in some ways, right? Like I may still like suck at sales. Maybe it's not even sucking. It's more of just like being lazy. You show that you have unbelievable drive when you can walk into, you know, the day, every day, 12 hours a day and do 300 calls a day. That's that's awesome. You talked about leverage points a little bit, but I would love for you to talk like your specific example, like with Dow, because... The way you explain it, but when you show that example is like, it's mind
1: blowing. There's no longevity in me making 300 calls a day and into random industries. So I got Mm -hmm. very narrow focused on, okay, I'm only going to focus on the medical industry. And I'm only going to talk to the guys and girls that sell the medical equipment into those doctor's offices instead of me going after the doctors directly. So then it scaled back. Now I'm only making, you know, 50 calls a day and leveraging their networks to sell my financial services. And my business took off from there. It was already doing great. It wasn't sustainable because you can't do 12 hours of cold calls a day. I mean, some people can, but I don't want to do that. I want to go play basketball. I want to go to the gym. I want to go chill. I used those leverage points. And then within those 50 calls, I would make sure the people that I even called or even stayed in touch with, they were my highest leverage point too, where they brought in the best deals, the most lucrative deals. They were the best to work with. They were the friendliest. They they weren't sweating me about stuff. And so then I could weed out the people that were just a nuisance to me. And that's always kind of an ongoing refining thing. And same thing with like business processes. There's always like an entrepreneur always feels like there's something they could do better, but sometimes some things are better left undone. Like, why would I do that if it's not gonna bring any value and it's gonna cause me headaches? So you have to always kind of reflect on what's the important stuff. And it's just like the watch analogy. You know, I like the Rolex, so I'm just going to keep the Rolex. I'm not, I don't need the other 10 watches or I like the I'm just going to keep the Bulova because I love it. But mm-hmm. there's no reason to have all 10 watches. So you don't need 10 clients. Maybe you just have one or two that are great. The 80-20 rule is always at play. So they yep. give you 80% of your income. Why mess with the other eight people that will give you the other headaches? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm.
0: When you're doing that, really what you're doing, you're creating partnerships, right? So what did you do to identify potential partners, right? And I guess we could talk about that a little more generically, because like I think you had a really tangible example. You do financing, you go into the medical space, you find people that sell expensive equipment, and it makes perfect sense. It's a benefit on both sides and value on both sides, right? For someone that may be in a different industry, how would you give them advice on finding who a potential partner may be?
1: Obviously, it depends on what you're selling use technology for your advantage. I use LinkedIn all the time because mm-hmm. I know exactly what I'm looking for. So if I'm looking for medical people that sell equipment, I can find out all the information on LinkedIn. I think the number one important thing to do is make sure you're niched. Don't be general, have a niche market. You can get general later once you yep. have some leverage and you start having some momentum, but start very, very niched. So that would be the most important thing for me. And then secondly, when you are talking to people, there's nothing to sell. Don't try to sell people. like You hear all these shticks and all this, these scripts and follow the script and say this. And if they say mm-hmm. this, you say this. To me, it's just like, what a waste of my time. I'm going to mm-hmm. have a conversation with you. And if we like each other and it seems like it might be a good fit, that's my litmus test. That's it. I don't yeah. need to know anything else. Obviously, assuming that you're going to use my product or you actually are feasible. You know, I, I know a lot of people in the industry where they had to meet their 300 call quota. Uh, and they would just call their if friends because they, they could- there's chit chat and we knew the, the people they were talking to like, I don't want to waste my time. I want to make money. So I'm going to talk yep. to people that can help me make money. I can help them make money. And we like each other. That's my litmus test.
0: When I was in car sales one time, I brought my now wife in, just because I wanted to BS for a while. So like I made her into a potential customer and like, well, <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing? How are you spending your time when you're not at
1: work? Every morning I, I get up like, I don't know, 4, 4, every day I go work out. And then I go take long walks. I go to the beach. I go play tennis. I go play golf. Um, I come back and work a little bit. I go lift weights. I read a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts. I spend a lot of time thinking, thinking about what I want to do long-term, um, who I want to help. I'm kind of an introspective person. So I spend a lot of times just you know writing, journaling, uh, thoughts, ideas, a lot of reflection, a thinking about people and their situations and psychology quite a bit. I love watching like those, those murder mysteries, like psychology <laughs> thrillers, like, they, like the interrogation room and what people say and how they break them down. I love that stuff. So I don't know. I'm just, huh. I'm just a, a weirdo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What is your biggest challenge right now and in going into uh, 2021?
1: We put together this program. It's basically a course to show people exactly what I do for a living and teach them the blueprint, the tactics, everything that I do. a T so they can emulate it, do it, and then have the fruits of what I have, like travel around the world, all the money you want, all the freedom time, all that good stuff. And I'm just trying to find the most authentic way for me to get that to people. So far, it's been podcasts you know, I really don't want to go through the, like the normal Facebook ad type thing because it's like, but then like we were talking about earlier, it's hard to find me. So then it's like, well, it seems like I have to get somehow on social media to have like a following or have people within the, the network so I can share this with them. So I guess that's my biggest challenge is balancing authenticity with trying to help people in the most authentic way I know how. That's kind of the struggle right now, but I wouldn't even call it a struggle. i consider it fun. Yeah, <laughs> It's really me wrestling with me and who I think I am basis. Oh, I'm not on social media. I just kind of live day by day, man, and just kind of roll with the punches.
0: Cool. So tell us a little more again about Creators <clears throat> Learn, where people can go. What is the key part of the system or the process? So anyone that's interested can really get into it.
1: It's called CreatorsLearn.com. And the first thing that we're putting on there, I, I plan to have other things on there, maybe from other people too. It's just more of a learning platform for people that consider themselves a creator, because I have this mentality that there's only two types of people in the world. I don't believe in black and white, male, female, American, Chinese. I believe in creators and victims. And so this is a place for creators to go to learn things as far as business, business opportunities, psychological exercises, mindset, exercise, physical, everything um, that a creator would want to learn about. And so the first thing we put on there is our blueprint, which is our business model that people can emulate and do, and it's called Business Finance Blueprint. And it teaches them step-by-step with videos, um, weekly coaching calls, scripts, what to say and when to say it. And and again, like you have to be authentic to yourself. I I want people to obviously mold those scripts into their own voice. You can go as fast as you want or slow as you want on the course, but it gives you everything. I mean, we wrote down with meticulous detail Took over a year to put this whole thing together. Exactly what we do and how to do it. Cool. Is it specific
0: to all the financing side of what you do, like with Dow Financial, or is it about like systems and sales process, or
1: what is that? It's, a, it's exactly what I do for Dow Financial. Cool. So they wow. would be doing exactly what I do for my business model. And the cool thing about what I do, people think I like. Oh, I don't know anything about finance. I mean, literally, ninety-nine mm-hmm. percent of what I do is talking to people. 1% is finance. And I have this analogy, like if you can go to Cheesecake Factory and talk to your waiter and like pay the bill and give him a tip, then you can do this financing. It's not, there's no rocket science. It's super, super simple. Some people get scared, like, oh, I don't know anything about financing or like literally a child could do this. So I'm no brainiac. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I would even challenge that, right? I mean, we're talking about fears, right? If, if finance is a fear, lean into it. You're listening to this. This is your, your chance to, uh, to learn and to grow. Cool. So if you could make everyone in the world do one thing differently after coming out of listening to this interview, what would that one thing be?
1: Everyone has to leave their normal environment, like their normal town, a normal country. I mean, just do it at least for a week because it changes your whole perspective on it everything you think about your family, different, your friends, your business, your identities, like it changes everything. And it actually opens up your imagination and your freedom to create something authentic because we get trapped in these silos of on this or on that. How am I going to be accepted from my friends and family and my community? And, and when you break away from that and you just sit with it, man, you can see so clear what you want to do.
0: I went to Mumbai in India. And that was like the most eye-opening experience of my life, even just crossing the street. I was just talking to someone about this earlier today too, like crossing the street, you have to have confidence and you just go, there are tons (laughs) of cars going and there are people (laughs) in the street going. And like, I was with someone, friend who was like, when I walk across the street, you stay with me. If you don't, you'll be stuck in the street and I can't come back and get you. (laughs) (laughs) I wholeheartedly agree with that. Traveling is one of the best things you can do. Not just traveling to like go and stay at like an all-inclusive resort, but traveling and really experiencing new cultures and new people is just one of the most amazing things.
1: Yeah, especially if you can stay in places that are non-touristy. Yeah. Like where you actually get immersed into the culture. They're not trying to sell you trinkets and shit. They're just living their normal life. It's such a different experience because you see how people actually live and work and play Their normal environment. How do you
0: decide where you're going next? How you're finding a place that is that non touristy, undiscovered place?
1: I'm an adventurer, so I like to just go be in a world, open Airbnb. I'll look for like really plush places to stay, and then I will just kind of look at the whole world. Yep, and I'll kind (laughs) of look where I'm currently at and like what's I don't feel like doing a 12 hour flight, but you know, what's within like two or three hours from here that I can kind of hop around. And yep. then I'll kind of go from there and just kind of wing it, man, to be honest with you. Like for example, once I was in Central America and I was supposed to go like, I think I was in Panama and I was supposed to go to Costa Rica. like mm-hmm. I was supposed to go somewhere else in Central, maybe it was Nicaragua, I can't remember, but I couldn't get there because I didn't have my yellow fever shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the airport and they're sweating me, but they said, you know, you guys can go to um, uh, El Salvador instead. And it's a workaround to get to Costa Rica or wherever you're going. And because they don't they don't check for the yellow fever in El Salvador. So I'm like, man, El Salvador wasn't on my plan, but uh, I guess we have to go there. And the lady was saying, the the lady at the airport, she was like, just stay the night and then go back to the airport the next day. I'm like, hell no. Like, if I'm going to be there, I'm going to check it out. So I think we stayed almost a week. And it was like one of the most awesome countries you would ever imagine because it's not touristy. No, no tourist people are going to El Salvador. So you're just there in the culture and the people are cool as shit. Like there's, there's great restaurants. Like you would never expect they had these cool malls and all the movies are in English. <laughs> it's just like, wow. and no one, but no one speaks English. It's just bizarre. Um, but like, you never know what's going to fall on your lap. Like that's one thing I always believe in, like let life happen to you and enroll with it because it's supposed to happen. So enjoy it. Like don't fight life. It's just such a lose lose situation.
0: Cool. Last question. I know we talked about it a little bit, but uh, yeah, just tell us again, uh, where can people go to learn more and to sign up?
1: Yeah. So creatorslearn.com is the place where the, the course is uh, held. It's called Business Finance Blueprint. But yeah, just, just go to creatorslearn.com then get all the information they need. And you can find me on LinkedIn too for now. So
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Great having you on. Hey, th- hey thanks for having me.